When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to really just take this process, but it's going to feel like a spiral. We're going to move around a bit. Because the part about gave him all of the praise, I knew that was a fight. I knew it was a fight. Um, and not a fight for me to give God all the praise. It was a fight to keep the enemy out of territory that he had nothing to do with. So I had to declare very early in the hospital, you get nothing. Yes. You get nothing. Because I know how you show up in these moments of loss, in this feeling of despair, in this feeling of being alone. I know the deception you create. I know the tricks yes. you play. I know the anger you um, make one feel so righteous for having. And though I still learn how to have my anger, I knew how to keep the enemy out of my experience because I knew that you're just coming looking for something to deceive me, yes. to take me away from serving my wife. I never imagined my journey would inspire people all over the world. Hello, my name is Nema and I'm from Zambia. So I love the Dear Future Wifey podcast. For me to see people being so real, so honest, and so true about the real situations in life. Hey, I'm Natalie from Belgium, and I would like to, to say thank you. I value your content because it is Christ-centered. You have set a standard in love. Dear Future Wifey podcast has um, opened my understanding. I highly recommend that everyone, whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're widowed, everyone to go follow this podcast. Continue with me as I discover, uncover, and recover love. I'm Latarius R. Whitfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. How are y'all doing, lit family? Listen, this episode is going to be absolutely amazing. I watched an, uh, an episode of Black Love, and this couple changed my life forever. Um, a lot of y'all may not know that these guys are bona fide music artists. They're educators, just brilliant individuals. And I'm not going to uh, delay their introduction. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My new family, Kariga and Felicia Bailey. Listen, y'all, we've been kicking it. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I'm, we are in the space. I've seen the space. And now I'm like, oh, this is happening. Yeah. Listen, y'all. Now, I can't make y'all no promises. I ain't going to break down and cry. <laughs> I have yet to cry on any of my episodes. But when I watch y'all on Black Love, let me tell you something. Y'all's level of transparency, the connection that you guys have 
changed me. I got up pacing the floor. As I told you uh, when I called you, I was pacing the floor crying. I was literally broke down into tears. And um, it was, it was, it was, it was life changing. And so I'm going to call this episode Purpose Partners. I did an episode before called Purpose Versus Preference. And um, I think you guys are the epitome of what choosing a purpose partner looks like. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to dig deep into y'all's relationship, find out how did y'all, what I saw on camera, how did that manifest? Uh, so my question, let's, let's, let's just start. How long have y'all been together? Man, six, 16 years total. Yeah. We have 16. been in, in, in relationship with each other. We've been friends Eight years total, we've been married. So y'all, be, so y'all, y'all been friends for eight years and married for eight years. I mean, I count my eight years married as part of my friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but y'all, y'all go back all the way back to high school, right? Yes. High school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, high school, Sacramento, California. Yeah, not the same high school, but we were both in high school. Yeah, and it's yes. and the context is important. We don't think it would have worked at the same high school. Why you say that? Um, that's a crazy place to start, <laughs> uh, given like given all the places we covered. But at that time, it's around identity formation. It's around coming to know yourself um, and being able to do that free of what the expectation of what a high school relationship should look like, function like, be like. So in that space, you're actually making an intentional choice to be with the person, not as much precondition around what your peers think because at that point adolescence you know peer influence is everything yes um so that's that's part of it and the other part uh quite frankly like i don't think i would have known how to be in that relationship in a high school setting mm-hmm. the space was critical to um the friendship so y'all y'all grew together yeah like y'all go all the way back to the formal uh Years where y'all are still trying to find your own identity, which makes it very makes it a very unique relationship because y'all are trying to learn yourself. And then as time evolved, learn each other. So what was Kariga like when he was in high school? (laughs) I think what I admired most about Kariga was um, his confidence. He was sure about who he was. Okay. I, I admire that. I value that. The other connecting point, though, for me was uh, the music. So yeah. in high school, music was a, a big part of my life. I just started writing songs. I'm a classically trained pianist. And um, it wasn't that it was uncommon to find peers that were doing the same thing, but um, to learn that, oh, you actually take this seriously okay. as well as a connector, I think, for me. I was like, okay, I like that he he has this project, you know, and um, I like that he's able to creatively express himself and he has his own medium for doing it. That I think that was a connecting point for me. Definitely. I think the, the artist um, community that we were part of at that time was also like uh, insulated, if you will. So we had one more... Uh, contact with each other through music, yeah. through music spaces. Like I met her at a winter concert, right, uh, that her district was uh, putting on. And it was 
friendship and music that drew us there. But the music, I think, is like, um, it's really like an analogy <laughs> for our, our relationship in total. Um, and and the songs are still yet being written. Um, and it's like, it's it's the, yeah, it's the kind of the bed of our friendship, of our creative endeavors, of our trusting one another. Um, art really actually has been at the center of our bond, although it shows up in the world in different forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, 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 Kareem, you, you just, see, Kareem, let me tell you something. That's what used to mess me, that's what messed me up during that episode. What? The way he be talking, like he sound like a <laughs> Shakespeare sonic or something. Like, what's up with that? And the music is still being created. The songs and the lyrics are still being inscri- inscribed upon my heart. This is why. I, this is why I'm happy I'm here. Listen, I'm happy I'm here because it's also really important for me to get to know me all the levels. Yeah. Yes, um, and how much this whole thing is laughable because I actually get it right. Yeah, my. Attentive to words, I can't really describe it yeah. um, more than it is a deep desire of mine to be able to relay what I'm actually feeling because feelings are so nuanced and complex. And just very clearly in the black male experience, I think they tried to tell us what we were feeling yes. too often. So I take the time to make sure I'm being as clear as possible about what I think I'm experiencing. Um <laughs> I, I can't. I really can't shake. It. Well, let me tell you something. You doing a you do a phenomenal job at doing that. Like I was sitting there just listening. I was like, and what really moved me the most is how you speak about your wife. Like when I hear your words about her, it's like your words envelop her and cover her and give her security and serenity. And it's such a beautiful thing to witness to hear a black man affirm and love on his queen. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I have never been moved by a relationship more than I've been moved by watching you guys love on each other. And and as I told you on the first, after watching that episode of Black Love, uh, definitely shout out to Cody and Tommy uh, mm-hmm. for the connection because someone, so this is how I came across y'all. Somebody tagged me on your episode and it was like the promo video. And I had just been recording all the episodes. I was going to go binge watch it uh, at a later date. And someone said, y'all listen to Terrace. You need to have them on your podcast. And I was like, who are they? All right, let me look. And then the next day, uh, Cody said, hey, we're just going to post the full episode. It's the first time we ever did this, where y'all, like, was the whole episode. And I said, the whole episode? Okay, let me, let me, let me look at this. And I clicked on that video. I took a break from editing some videos and I watched it and it messed up. My, first of all, who do I send my who do I send my therapy <laughs> bill to? Sent to you? Or do, I, I need to send it to him. I think Fee gonna handle all the invoices. Okay, she's gonna handle the invoices. <laughs> Listen, y'all, I was messed up. I cried wow. like three times. I cried. Oh Jesus! Mm. First of all, if y'all haven't watched this this episode of Black Love. I need you. I'm gonna put a link in the description, and I need y'all to watch that so we can have some context about what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, watch that episode; it will totally change your life. In that episode, I broke down and I cried. I cried so hard, and it wasn't so much about crying about you guys, uh, the loss that you guys experienced. It was 
I cry because the love that y'all have for one another, that I know that it was by God's design that he linked y'all together because as I told you at lunch, there's no way that y'all could have experienced going through that with anybody else. And it's because God put a fortitude in inside of both of y'all to be able to uplift each other and hold each other up. It's the most beautiful thing. It's like mm. I saw, and I told you, I felt like I was like invading on y'all's intimate space. I said, am I watching soft porn or what <laughs> is going on right now? I'm like... Felicia was have a chin all on your shoulder. She was just looking at you. She was having your hand. She was like trying to bury herself in you. Man. To bury yourself in your mate is the most amazing and beautiful thing to witness. And, and you can tell that you guys are each other's security and that y'all cover each other so beautifully. And I want people to mm. witness that and see mm. that. And so I said, hey, whatever I got to do, I got to get y'all to Dallas to be on the podcast. I don't want to <laughs> do no Zoom call. I don't want to do nothing. I need y'all here. And so to 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 see you love on your queen like that, man, is so healing. And I have I'm one of those people that I never look at people's relationship and say hashtag relationship goals mm -hmm. because you can take a quick little old photo, a quick little video, yeah. and deceive everybody. Mm -hmm. And um, but what I saw in you guys, I said I don't want it if it if it don't look like that. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. I need I need I need that love. I need that that those words of affirmation that you bestowed upon her. I, I, I need that. I need that. I need my wife to be so secure in me that no matter what she goes through, that uh, she knows I got her. I need, I need to be the man that I can cover my wife no matter what she goes through and how protective you are over her. And you're like, hold on, listen, now, hey, I, I'm getting people coming to want to speak to us about this situation, but I got to make sure that my wife is in a good space. And that's the first thing you said. You said, listen, bro, I, hey, we vibing. I like this, but let me go check with the missus and see where she's at. See, see, see mm -hmm. what space she's in. Mm -hmm. And so let me ask you this. What made you, when he checked with you and told you about uh, my desire to have you on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, what made you agree to it? Uh, well, first, um, I'd say you were definitely vetted by Cody, Cody and Tommy. And um, there was so much care that was taken in filming our episode. Okay. And there was so much care in the editing. And I knew that they both understood where I was. Yes. Um, in my processing still, because at the time when we filmed, we were just four months into Kamayu. So um, it was that soon. It was I that no soon. Idea. It was that. So what you're seeing is like real time grief of me still processing and Kariga making room for that and holding me and allowing me to do that. And um, so approaching the black love doc when when we were interviewed, you know, that that was kind of a, a concern for me is, well, will they be able to handle this? Will they be able to be gentle with me? Um, and then even after, right, months after, I'm thinking, like, uh, did I say everything that I needed to say? Did I say things that I may not even want to say now because of where I am in my grief process? And to have watched how they put first, we didn't know that it was going to be a full episode of just us. I've seen black love. Yes. I have watched black love. I know the stories and how they break them up. And I remember when we did it, I said to Kariga, I said, I don't know how they're going to do this. <laughs> I was waiting on the questions about how we deal with offense and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? And, and I, I didn't know how it would be broken up. And so to, to learn, to find out that one, um, it was just us, but two, that Tommy took the time to edit it. 
Yes. I thought that was like that, that there was so much care involved, but even further, right. And then it became my responsibility to do my own research. Right. So I have to explore what is this podcast about and understanding that this is about being intentional and transparent and creating essentially reference for other couples, for other people, for other families. Um, that has been my mission with Black Love from the interview. The whole purpose was to create reference because I know what it's like to feel alone in a process on a journey and looking for someone and looking for, for some point of evidence and, or like I'm saying, reference that validates, okay, what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through is not just something that I, I am experiencing on my own, that we are all having, there are several people that are having this experience and how powerful it is to have a reference. And it takes courage for people to be able to tell their story. Yes, yes, yes. So after I saw this amazing couple on the Black Love doc, I decided to do some research because they had moved me so much that I wanted to go consume whatever content was out there on the World Wide Web and get to know them a little better. So I came across this video. Take a look.
Bailey's, what were y'all going through when y'all saw, you know, that y'all were having, so whose idea was it to keep it a secret? Did, like, did the doctor tell you? Uh, no. Nah, go ahead, Fink. So, Sorry. actually, the way this happened, um, I had, we had our 20-week uh, ultrasound appointment, right? My best friend, Dominica, came with us. She was responsible for looking and seeing and getting from the technician what the gender was. Mm -hmm. She held that secret. She gave it to Lauren. Lauren held that secret. And she wrote the song. Now, I had when, when I found out that I was pregnant, I knew I wanted to do a gender reveal. But okay. I did not want it. I wanted it to be something specific to us and our experiences. Yes. Um, I had seen one time these martial arts fighters, they had did like a martial arts general, <laughs> like they punching something in it and, and they found it. I thought that was so dope, That's right? Dope. Because they were both, this was something that they, they did. And so I was like, yes, we could get, we could reveal it in song. Yes. And I asked Lauren is a phenomenal songwriter. Shout out to Lauren. Lauren, when Lauren I say that, Adams, child so can Yes. So Lauren Adams, she is a phenomenal songwriter. Um, her and I actually went to Hampton together. We all went to Hampton together, majored in music together. Uh, she takes that craft very seriously. She ain't no joke. She's not. And I asked her, and we were in New York. Uh, we had a performance. I, it must have been the, another MLK Now event because it was mm -hmm. like wintertime. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, Lauren, can you do this? And she was like, this is going to be the hardest song I wrote for Right? She, she, she was trying to figure out what, where was she going to get her inspiration from, right? Like how, how is she, she going to write about this child she hasn't met yet? And... Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, Dominica, she she gets the the goods, passes it to Lauren. Lauren held that, and she, for how long? She Met started working. It till May, because that's when the gender reveal was. Yeah, right? the so gender reveal. In time, was it a month, two months? So oh. it must have been. Well, I'll say that she started working on. She had a couple of different iterations of the song, and um, some were like up tempo. This is what I hear, and some <laughs> were like a little, you know, moving, and. Um, so she she knew if it was a boy, it would be in the key of B. And um, if it was a girl, it would be in the key it's of G. G. So really? she was, like, testing me when the song starts. And I'm like, this sounds, you know, like, I don't have perfect pitch. But I'm like, this. Did she tell you that? She told you it was going to be in the told, key. It was she be told me what keys it would be, yeah, if it was a boy or a girl. She she was that very intentional Jeez. about that. <laughs> Listen, she got she's got the oil all over her. <laughs> Lauren is Lauren is exceptionally special. Yeah. Um, for many reasons, but about this gender reveal, I remember thinking to myself, Fee is really taking it to the next level, right? Because now, obviously, Lauren is commissioned. She was the person for the songwriting. But as a writer myself, I thought Felicia, that is so unreasonable for you to ask somebody to write a song about your child. Why would you put somebody through that painstaking process and have to write this song? This is what I'm thinking as a writer. Like, 
oh, why are you going to do Lauren Listen, like that, right? Why are you going to do Lauren I like that? I knew she could do it. But Lauren and Fee, I mean, obviously they got their own sisterhood, their bond. We're all mad close. Me and Lauren are actually mad close. But um, I just, I remember, one, finding out I was having a daughter mm. in that song. He knew the whole room. time, too. You knew the whole time? Well, not know as in what the doctor confirmed, but I, I told her we were having a daughter, right? I said we were having a daughter, and I never changed. Um, he, didn't, he didn't stray. And it was, it was more because I, I didn't, it was just like, I didn't decide. I was figuring out what I was called to. I wasn't deciding what it was declaratively. I was trying to listen for the call. What am I being called to? Who am I being called to parent in this world? And I just knew that the next evolution of me would be raising a girl. Um, I think the way we perceive manhood and masculinity is just so, is just mounds and mounds and mounds of other people's projections on us. Um, but what a, what a daughter can do to a father's heart, I just felt like that was the call. That was my next step of evolution. So I'm in the room, I'm in the house, the family's there, and I hear the song for the first time. <laughs> And I can't believe it. I'm elated. Oh, you went crazy. I'm elated. You were so happy. <laughs> For me, it had, to, it had so much to do around what I thought about um, black people, black children, black leadership. Um, but what it would mean for a black girl to grow up with these parents who love her the way we do, who teach love the way we do. Um, but ultimately, like, who could she be with me behind her, right? If I am, and I've been in public education for years at this time, so my heart was developed through many different stages of watching young people grow. But I thought to myself, like, who will this person be if I am her father from the day she opens her eyes? So I was preparing myself for that that task. Um, and what I really believe um, women can do and will do in this world. Like I had this conviction f long before any gender was confirmed that I was going to raise this daughter. And I was totally excited and okay with that. Um, fascinatingly enough, I didn't know that I would still be raising a daughter like this. She's still doing work on me. Um, in a very mighty way, but I, I had no clue that this is what the call was um, and not call as in ordained to be already. What I'm saying is I am still her father infinitely. I didn't know I would be her father like this. Even though my experience was different, that record did not have an empty word in it. Mm, mm, mm. And that was hard to sit with, but beautiful. And we practiced and taught ourselves to sit with it to not skip it when it comes on the playlist, to have a still moment no matter what we're doing, to surrender from whatever we're doing, to be present with this experience, be present with this song. And I'm so glad we learned how to practice being present with it so that we never lost its beauty. We never lost our connection to her. We never put her separate. Um, but it was so hard to hear that song as one could imagine. Are you able to sing that song? Are you able to sing along with it when you hear it? Man, the part that <laughs> takes me is the end when she starts saying, can't wait to meet you, can't wait to see you. 
I used to sing that all the time when I was pregnant. Singing it now is hard. It's hard because the weight looks different. And we met her and met her differently than we thought we would. Mm -hmm. We know her and know her differently than we thought we would. So there comes this like a, this reconciliation with the song every time it plays. Mm -hmm. How do I accept it for its truth today? How do I sit with this truth today? Because mm -hmm. it varies from day to day. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change. You just have to become present with it. I think of... Um, <laughs> we've already prayed for you. Yeah. Laid hands in his name for you. Yes. Gave him all of the praise for you. Gave him all of the praise for you. God, that's powerful. The joy that you bring to our world. Whether boy or girl. girl. I mean, if you just if you just let that phrase yes. sit, imagine how many months, how many days, how many repeat, how many silence, how many times on my balcony I had to just sit with that opening phrase over and over again. Um I wanna really just take this process but it's going to feel like a spiral. We're going to move around a bit. Because the part about gave him all of the praise. I knew that was a fight. I knew it was a fight. Um, and not a fight for me to give God all the praise. It was a fight to keep the enemy out of territory that he had nothing to do with. So I had to declare very early in the hospital, you get nothing. Yes. You get nothing because I know how you show up in these moments of loss, in this feeling of despair, in this feeling of being alone. I know the deception you create. I know the tricks yes. you play. I know the anger you um, make one feel so righteous for having. And though I still learn how to have my anger, I knew how to keep the enemy out of my experience because I knew that you're just coming looking for something to deceive me, yes. to take me away from serving my wife. So I had to be I had to be more than solid. I had to be more than solid. I had to walk with my chest up and my shoulders back and I walked as I walked in the hospital. I had to be proud of her already. I had to practice um not giving the enemy any room. So that part about gave him all the praise for you. Yes. For me that was just like a that was Mando. That was the code. Like, I just had to keep the code steady because I know how the enemy shows up. So my praise was really about territory. And I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't praying to God because I knew what he would do. I knew his promise, but I didn't know how anything was going to unfold. Yes. I just, come on, gee, I, would, I just thought I was yeah. going to have a, a baby and, and this happened. So what is my plans? What are plans? What was my previous prayer? What is prayer? I was just really praying to keep the enemy out mm. of my home, out of my psyche, out of God's territory. Because when I experienced the loss of my brother, I didn't have that same, I didn't have that same lens. It was complicated by black masculinity and what does what does what does it look like for me to stand true to my brother? 
So that was intercepted by so many values that you learn growing up and what retaliation looked like and what respect looked like and what like not being a victim again looked like, how to set. So you go through all these things. And So um, how did how'd you lose your brother for the people that don't know? My brother was shot in 2014, Kareem Johnson, um, a brilliant educator and a brilliant maker of all things with his hands. He was the sibling that could help me in my math, no matter what grade I was in. Um, a wonderful father, uh, an educator. It had no sequence of reasoning. And by this time, my family had been showing up in my city as staples of peacemakers, of um, leaders and mentors, right? We all had our hands in the community in some way or another. But just putting in context, though the losses have no comparison, I knew what's I knew what a war felt like. Hmm. I know what it was to have my spirit vexed. And um, I just had to make some quick declarations because he moves quick. Uh, but gave him all the praise for you. That just became my code. That just became something I just. So you praised him in the midst of the storm, in the midst of your lowest point, at a, at a, at a point to where most people would have felt that God failed them. I knew I had no power left. I couldn't save my wife. I couldn't do anything for her. I was at, I was past capacity of what I could hold. And no one in that room had answers. Not my praying mama, not her praying mama. Nobody could do anything. And I was aware of my limitation because I couldn't change the outcome that I desired most. And if I couldn't do that, then what could I do? But it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's worth um, making room for how many things were happening at that same time. I like that we are able to give God glory through my lived experiences, but I don't ascribe that to be our experience, right? Because a mother, what we know about that, G., Nothing. Not a doggone thing. Nothing. So I don't even understand. I, I have respect for her level of interrogation, her level of question. I have respect for her level of processing for herself. But I was a father, a husband, and I knew I was over capacity. Yes. That's where my praise came from. Not because it because it was rehearsed. Yeah. One thing that resonated with me from that episode, you said we couldn't even pray. We we couldn't even pray against it. We couldn't. It, there was there was no room, no warning. Uh, you couldn't call the church and say, "Everybody, we're going to go intercede on behalf of the Baileys because uh, the devil is busy." It just came so suddenly. And um, how did you? And I know this is still a process, but. How are you processing this? I think um, he and I have had very different processes. And um, I am careful with how I describe my process. But I, I am honest. 
and um, it looks differently. I always say, like, you know, I, I went into that room, and I picked myself. I had to put myself up on the operating table. I had to work with the team. That's how fast everything was happening. And I said my last prayer in faith and confidence and trust and knowing how powerful God is, right, based on my life experiences. And two have woken up, and that had been the outcome. When I believed otherwise, when I asked in full faith, trusting, understanding, knowing that nothing is impossible for God. Yes. And, and knowing that through scripture and believing it, right? Waking up and this being the outcome, I, at that particular time, had so many, so many different thoughts, so many different variables crossing my mind, trying to make sense of it. One of the first things, though, um, I saw like there was prayer happening with with Korea. There's prayer happening with our mothers. Um, because of my my relationship with God, it was natural for me to fall in line with that, right? It wasn't until my pastor came and visited me that he let me know that it was okay for me to be angry. Yes. And that it was okay for me to have questions. And I was so happy to hear that. Not yes. that I didn't know it, but hearing that from um, someone who was a, a leader in our community, uh, he, he gave me permission. And, and it was when he said it, too. He said it in front of my entire community that was there loving on me and supporting Good. me. Good. So everybody understood that, okay, this this is I have room here. Yes. And um, I, I've gone with that. You know, um, I have had moments where I've taken intentional time and, and, and written and prayed and asked, like, what, what is happening, right? Like, why, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Me? Like, I've known you since I was a child. I have I have prayed some impossible prayers that you have answered. Yes. I I can't understand this and I I won't allow someone to try and tell me because they're trying to reconcile in their brain what this could mean because that makes them feel better. I'm not going to allow them to tell me that there is a reason behind it. I don't believe that. That that's not where I am yet with this. Um so that that so far has been my process that I have room to ask these questions and to hear the answers from God, not from anyone else. I'm going to get my answer. Pastor Mike coming in at that time um, to give that type of declaration to remind us what God can hold. I remember him specifically saying God can hold the unresolved. Mm -mm -mm. And he said God would not be intimidated by Felicia's questions. That gave me some level of solace because it gave me permission to let her have her space, her inquiry. Um, but I had a totally different assignment. I had to fasten to his voice. I had to lean into it. I had to look for it because my responsibility was different than hers. She gave birth 
her body is in rest. I am the first servant leader. Mm, 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 mm. What am I using to call me in this time? My heart is broken. I'm looking at my friend, my wife. I know how strong she is. My heart is broken seeing her like this. And I'm her, I have the first responsibility. Our mothers are present, but that's my responsibility first. So I had to cling on to something to find my grounding, to find my assignment. And Pastor Mike coming in at that time was so pivotal because it gave me um, a new operational lens by which I could see God, that he could hold the unresolved, that he can be God to what Felicia's specific requests are, and he can be God uh, unto me all at the same time, and that um, my role as a husband was not to inform her of her God. How could I? She, that's hers. Yes. She, has her, she has her own relationship. Otherwise, I wouldn't have married her. If she didn't have her own relationship with God, if I was having mm. to feed this relationship and lead this relationship, uh, I, w- I wouldn't have married her. So I knew that she had her own relationship, as evidenced by her own prayers, as evidenced by the prayers she's prayed over me. Yes. So I'm like, all right, this is, I don't know what this crossroad is, but God, I need you to be God for all of us right now. But I had to learn how to be close to her and then finally have the safe space to voice like, babe, I think I need to go for a run or I need to exercise, but I don't know how to say this to you because I'm your helpmate and I don't, I'm not leaving this job. But, oh, when we go to therapy, I hear her say things uninterrupted. She hears me say things uninterrupted. And we're learning more about each other because the flow of our relationship, our conversation, though we enjoy talking to each other and deeply enjoy conversation, we have a rhythm. And sometimes we might cut each other off because we enjoy the conversation that much. So therapy became a place that we got to do deep listening to each other. And of course, Felicia wanted me to feel fulfilled and didn't want me to feel like I was bedridden. But what would it look like? What is the compromise? How do I meet my needs, and make sure that I'm meeting your needs first. So this all happens through therapy, not through church. <laughs> Learning to meet each other's needs like that and hear each other, that's not, that's not happening on Sunday service. So we needed another space to practice love, to practice and unpack the word of God in a, in a way that is real to us. Our church connected us to therapy. That's good. That's good. I'm curious, what, what is this Soul Affirmations book? What is that? I see both of y'all yeah. got one over there. Y'all, did it's y'all a, bring me one? What is that? Actually, um, <laughs> we did, but it's a, it's a toolkit um, that we, we use as reference for practicing the habits of mind that you need when the waters get most deep. Here's what I do know. I do know that when we are Stressed or angry, our breathing will change subconsciously. So soul affirmations is a toolkit that helps us practice the habits of mind that are necessary to make room for love, to make room for light, to make room for God. Operationally, sometimes you have to put yourself in the practice of making room to hear from God. So soul affirmations is a collection of affirmations that have come from the years of my journaling. And 
I went through the years of journals and synthesized those journal entries to create something more concise. Because I was asking myself, there was a certain point in my life where I had to ask myself, when did I even think about forgiving? Hmm. When did that become what I was willing to explore? Because when the gunman first shot my brother, forgiveness wasn't even in my ministry. That wasn't even happening. Not even in your toolbox. But I wanted to know, what was that shift? When did I start thinking about it? So I went back to my journal to see if there was anything there. What was happening in my psyche when my thinking started to change? Because I remember what my first thoughts were. And I didn't realize they were changing. And I wanted to know what was the evidence, what was happening inside of me. So I go back to the journal's fine reference and create affirmations um, that have come from the years of journaling. Is this book available for, for purchase? It's available for everybody. Okay. Um, they can actually find it by going to soulandlove.com, uh, which yeah, is okay. soul and love. Yep, soul as in S-O-L, like source of life. As a, a, a SOL as in soul development, y'all group. Source of life development. Yeah. SOL as in Kamayu Soul. Kamayu Soul, that is her middle name. <laughs> it's all around us. Let me tell you something what's so crazy about this. I ain't going to say it's crazy no more. God just does what he does. <laughs> this, this is so weird, and I didn't even think I was going to share this. My last episode of season one was released on September the 30th. And in the midst of me releasing that, God told me when I, because I, I was, I recently watched Black Love, and I didn't, and I didn't even see the date uh, that Kamayu was born, and God said significance in that date, and I said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? And I went back, and I just before y'all came in today, I went to go research it to make sure I wasn't tripping. I said, I know I'm not tripping, and I watched that video. That's the reason why I talked about that video. I talked about the video um, of the gender reveal because I said, and I showed Armani. I said, Armani, look at this. He said, what? I said, look at this date. And he said, I said, this was the date of the last episode I did called To Thine Own Self Be True. And I said, it's so, it's, God is so intentional. And after I did the last episode, I took a break for a month. And I said, God, in season two, I want you to orchestrate the people that you want in season two. And I said, people kept calling me, who are you going to have? I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I said, but God knows God, you have to take the producer role. You got to be the showrunner. You got to put this season together. I want people on this season that you have assigned to speak directly into my life, period. And then when old girl went and uh, mentioned me under y'all's episode and I looked at y'all, and I was like, God, you got a sense of humor. Mm. And I said, ah, oh, they way in California. I said, God, you know everybody. You are the best agent. You are the best networker. You do what you do best, God. I am just blown away at, I'm, I'm going to call this like a big surrender moment, right? Mm-hmm. When, when God is in the building, just make some room. Because your surrendering is what made room. Yes. Right? It wasn't yes. actually your thinking. It was actually when you got out of your way. Because yes. you didn't have the next set of thinking. But I just like I want to just like pin that moment. That's that's such a declarative moment 
And sometimes we don't realize the power of surrendering. Yes. Right? It's not the power of figuring it out. Mm. So mm-hmm. if it is to thine own self be true, and then in season two you have Kariga and Felicia, who I believe is the master of to thine own self be true, because I love the integrity by which she takes on questions. Yes. And the honesty she gives us. And this was actually brought out, her ability to do that was actually brought out to my observation uh, by a good friend of ours, Monty Draper, who has been helping me um, just remember the courage of my story and remember that I'm an artist. Um, But it was so profound because he would just visit me. There wouldn't be a request. He wasn't asking me for anything. He was just checking on me sure I remembered all my tools. Mm. This was profound because at this point I felt like my jaws were clenched and my fists were clenched and I wasn't at a tug of war with God. There was just nothing to say. Mm. So what songs does a songwriter write? There are no words. Felicia slowing down the pace is where the words live. She doesn't take the question as posed. She answers it as true as she can to that moment. So for me to hear that September 30th was the end of the, the first season. To thy own self be true. That gives me a great reward for the courage I had to bring this ask to my wife's attention. Although vetted by Cody, there would be another series of conversations her and I would have to have yeah. to determine if this is something that we can handle. And when we remember our why, we always can handle it. Yeah, We're here to provide reference for someone who may be experiencing unfavorable circumstances, similar or different, but grief nonetheless, Mm -hmm. to leave reference. And you're doing such an amazing job at making room and being gentle with us. So I'm in here right now having a big praise moment (laughs) because I'm like, it's working out right in front of my eyes. All I did was surrender. Yes. I could have said no so many different types of ways because of all the logistics it took to make this happen. Yep. And at no point did any uh, signals go off because I took time of silence for discernment. And you said that after our first conversation, okay, wow, brother, I feel this deep connection with you. Let me take a moment. Let me process this. And I'll get back with you in a couple of days. And I was just like, hey, it's like you meet your best friend and they say, I can't come outside and play no more. I said, why don't you just do that? I'm like... I mean, we talked for a minute, and I was we like, did. he was like, I just feel your energy. I just love this. This is blah, 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 blah. He said, okay, well, let me process it. I was like, did I pass the interview? What happened? It's <laughs> like waiting on a job to call you back. And you're like, gosh, I, I killed the interview. What happened? No. In preparing to be Kamayu's father, <laughs> Yes, I have a journal entry before she was born, and I was asking God to help me with my clarity so that my yeas can be yeas and nays can be nays. Mm-hmm. I wanted to grow better in that. Yes. So this is me practicing it. Because now, each decision I make um, is a reflection of my daughter, of my wife. So I want to be clear on my yeas and clear on my nays. It makes the day so much easier and more manageable for me if I know I'm sure what the answer I gave. So I've just been practicing that. You're doing an amazing job. Uh, when I tell you, I was just like, you call, you say, hey, we on. I said, okay. I said, well, let's figure out this date. And I was like, man, let's 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 make this happen. And I 
like I said, I just want to just, I just want to thank y'all. Like, by no means are we wrapping this up, but I just want to just thank y'all for just being available uh, and to, you know, heed to the voice of the Lord. Because I know that you guys are 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 Christians, y'all spiritual people, and y'all y'all are very sensitive about how God moves and where where God wants y'all to show up. Because um, I know him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not listening to nobody else. Exactly. And and it's so dope to meet people that are purposeful in their pursuits and purposeful in their allowing the space for God to show up and show out. Because we can block God out of any situation. We can we can outthink him. We can outmaneuver mm-hmm. him. We can be like, oh, no, it's just not going to happen. We can be stubborn and just be so like. So fascinating no. when we use the mind he gave us to think we're going to be witty. <laughs> Out with him. You, the whole mind, your whole mainframe, your download, your new thoughts, the quick one, the one you just got. <laughs> you're not faster. Not faster. Um, and this like, this idea of purpose. I'm going to um, make very clear that I am not stating that I understand the purpose yeah. and what has taken place mm-hmm. with my daughter's birth. Mm-hmm. And transition and double transition. But I am understanding the purpose about every lived experience I had up until this one that gives me clarity and responsibility to stand in the space and make sure that I'm making room for love that is grief. Mm -hmm. Because I've known grief so many ways. Yeah. And no one was calling it love. Mm -hmm. And I've seen mothers grieve in so many ways and people weren't being gentle enough with them. So I said, okay, God, if you give me, well, you've given me the skills and the ability already. What is my responsibility? But I knew that it would take this black man, this version of masculinity to carve a line and say, nah, our next evolution is radical gentleness. Radical I'm, gentleness. That's it. What left can a, what's left for a black man to be? How how radical how, gentleness? We've been strong, and I've seen strength fail. Mm. Fought hard. I've seen hard fail. We've been stubborn. We've been providers. We've been laborers. We've been everything. And I know that we have. If my father God has been this gentle with me. And how do I begin to introduce this into the fold of what I think black manhood is? So this is very clear for me. The mothers who lose 16-year-old sons, 17-year-old sons, 21-year-old sons, 25-year-old sons, or 34-year-old sons. My brother was 34 when he was taken from us in this realm. I've seen the public not know how to be gentle to those mothers because we begin to believe at some level that they were responsible in some way for their demise. And we start to tell our children what to stay away from, who not to hang around. We start to create all these things that suggest that you will be more safe when we know that is not true in the black lived experience. You can't make up your safety. Nah. So if this is the case, no mother should have to have shame and no mother should be judged for however their child transitions from this earth. What we deserve and what she deserves is for us to model the radical gentleness because I saw the world try to do it in neonatal loss. And what I learned was Felicia's womb aches in the same place of mothers who lose their children, who are adults, who are teenagers, that 
the womb. When, it, when, I just, when I learned that from the healing circles, I said, then we got to draw, we got to build a bridge. We have to. Radical gentleness. That is such a beautiful, beautiful juxtaposition of words to say radical gentleness. That's beautiful. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. That is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I don't know. I'm just sitting there just chewing on it. I'm just chewing on it. Um, and I'm glad because I was just about to ask you, what do you think, what do you think your purpose is now as a couple? And I'm glad you said, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. And, um, but it, even though you don't even know the answer, it's amazing how purpose is still being fulfilled because I can testify about how it's how y'all's life is helping me. Mm-hmm. Like even just like I said, the last couple of weeks, just talking to you, just just sitting down. And as we went out to eat earlier today and how you poured into Armani, my son, you know, that's 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 my love right there. You know that you created space in spite of your loss of, of an offspring, you poured into my son and the Holy spirit used you to prophetically speak into my sons. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at you and I'm going <laughs> this month is national adoption awareness month. And you poured into my son. My son said, he said, dad, this month is going to be special for me. He said that going into November. November is going to be special. This is when I was adopted. We got to do something. We got to make it special. We just got to do something that's going to be special. We just got to do. He just kept saying that every day. We got to do something. Right, Armani? You just keep saying it got to be something special. Huh? <laughs> and then you begin to speak into his life, saying stuff about him that you had no idea he had been going through his process. You just, you just didn't know. And that's why I just looked at you and said, the Holy Spirit is speaking through this man to my son. And I need him to see black men affirm him. I need him to see black men tell him who he is. Because I can tell him all day. But when a total stranger comes and confirms everything that I've been telling him, he's like, okay. Because he used to say it to me. He said, God don't speak to me. And I just laugh at him every time he says that. And then God will bring somebody to speak to him. And I don't even say nothing. Mm. And then he'll be like, see, God be speaking to you. The God be speaking to you, daddy, but God don't speak to me. And then you show up and speak to him. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to understand is that God uses people to speak to us a lot of times. That God can bring a total stranger to come speak into your life that can change the trajectory of your life. And oftentimes we say God isn't speaking. And God said, you, my sheep will recognize my voice. Why don't, why don't, why don't you recognize that? And I knew today was a moment. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Armani. Was today a moment that you heard God speak to you? Say it out loud. They can't hear you on the spot on the microphone. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> I must take a moment to say there's nothing more beautiful to me, nothing more profound than to be used in that way. I give God all the glory. I'm going to revisit a statement. It wasn't that I don't know my purpose. It said I don't know the purpose in that experience. That's what I was speaking of. But I do know that I'm here so that we may all love more abundantly. The rooms that I've sat in, 
the places that I've observed in which I, I watch society make a hierarchy on who deserved love and who didn't. Mm. See, there's an indictment on our society and on its practice of love and who they tell us is deserving of it and the changes somebody must make in order to be deserving of it. I don't believe that at all. Yes. So to be your guest and to be having a very adult conversation in the presence of I know who has next, it would be lazy of me to not turn and pour in the direction of who's going to be carrying this much longer than you or I. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it, the way I read a room, he's of one of the highest importance to me. Yes. Beyond my own needs. Yes. That is that is us. What does he need? What does he deserve to hear today? Yes. And if I know anything about what it means to be black in these lived circumstances, what might not you have heard today? Mm. And we have to practice the habits of mind to say those things. Yeah. So Armani, for me, he was just, I mean, emanating power from his silent position. Yes. In that in our seating arrangement. Yep, sitting at the restaurant. And it, it just it just begged of me to acknowledge him. Um, I'm just so glad that it that I can wake up, say a prayer, and fasten my ear to God for the day. Because he didn't speak right away. I was loud, right? I know when I'm loud but I'm fastening my ear because I know that's my mark. That's what I'm aiming for. I'm not aiming for anyone else's uh, control and agenda of my day so that we may all love more abundantly. So if Kamayu would come and shape my heart and make more room in it, she, she made room. She shifted so many things. You'll hear me say, we are taking inventory of the things that are occupying love's territory. We're praying for the courage and discipline to let those things go. I mean that. My grief was so heavy, all I had room for was love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen, God has given you an Abraham anointing that you will father kids that didn't even come from your loins, that that God has given you a dispensation and an anointing, and that's why your life has been what it's been, and you can just, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can just pour into my son like you did. That's not the first time you've done stuff like that. It's, it's, it's people that lives that you have touched and lives that you have changed, people that you have impacted, and God has given you an anointing to draw these young kings to you, and um Kamayu soul is 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 still. I mean, and that's why I love to hear you say that that's still your child, you know. And and the beauty of that, the beauty of that is that you've been doing the 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 groundwork. And I know that was a big blow to you because of the fact you like, okay, I'm 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 helping these other kids. I'm helping raise other people's kids or whatever. God, really? Like this? This is how, this this is how we doing? This is how we doing? All these people that I've that I've rescued, people that I had no business uh, involving myself into their lives, and this is what we doing. 
and this is what we're doing. And I come to let you know that that was not in vain, that God is going to bless you abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. God is going to release something into y'all's lives that I'm telling you. I'm telling you as sure as I sit here on this podcast right now, he's about to release something in your life that y'all are going to get it. It's going to be that aha moment. That aha moment is going to come. The aha moment that you're looking for is going to come. And you're going to look back and go, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I see it all over y'all. And that's one of the main reasons why I said it's something about them. I don't know what it is. I just I just don't know what it is. But God has given me the privilege, a privilege to be able to sit with you guys before it happens, before Mm -hmm. it happens. And before y'all get so out of touch because God is about to take y'all through a like through the stratosphere like freaking superstars and I get the privilege to be able to sit with y'all right now and I take it as an honor I take it as an honor that God has graced me enough to be able to be present in y'all uh just be in y'all's presence right now because God's about to release something I sow that seed Mm. seven generations forward Mm. to, to even think that they the listeners may not be able to comprehend how unscripted this visit is. Yes. The agreement, the travel, the availability. Yes. Remember, we had to do some scheduling things. Yes. We just had a we just attended our brother's wedding. Yes. Right? So this is all unscripted. These tears is not because his brother crying again. If y'all understand what he's able to lay out in words, um, and me knowing God the way I do, these it's a it's a privilege to cry these tears. Yes it is. On behalf of what the Father is doing. Yes it in, is. In my in my being. Yes it is. I cried other tears before. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yes. I cried tears at funerals. Those those tears ain't the same as these tears. No. So it's a joy to cry these tears and to release and to emote. Like to have they're really just tears of glory because One of the hardest blows to my local community, to all the young people who watch me love Felicia, who watch me propose to her and be engaged, who watch me be a husband to her, and I'm telling the homies, this is what it means for me to be a husband to Felicia. I'm telling the students, this is what it means to be a husband to Felicia. So they watch me practice as, as true and honest as I could. So everybody was confused when this was our birth story. And people were hurt and confused. And still confused and still hurt. Yes. What I am giving glory at is the idea that today was about coming to leave reference and yet finding reference. Oh, come on out of here. The, f- the fact that I could feel who Armani was, was a reminder to me that God is still working in me. I'm not broken. Mm. My, my grief, there's nothing wrong with me. No. I can still see, I can still feel, I can still be used. Yes. That's my mark. Yes. Seeing young people and making sure they know, who, that's, that's my, that has been my work forever. That's your legacy. That's my legacy. I yes. honor that, I affirm that. When that was happening for me, it was like, I knew Felicia could see it. She knows that's me. I haven't been around young people 
Yeah. <laughs> my work has been this grief yeah. and honoring my wife, right? So today was like, if that was, I was sure God was in the room. I was 100% sure. And that made me feel like the travel wasn't in vain. Yes. Because I didn't come for a podcast. I didn't come for views. I didn't come for a following. Yeah. I came for reference. For reference. That's what I came for. And I found that. And I'm leaving a mark. And whatever this does in the public, let it do. Yeah. What, what, whatever they see, whatever courage and power they see from Felicia, let it emanate. We came for reference. Felicia, mm. what you doing? I'm listening. Let me tell you something, man. We get a bird's eye look into y'all's life and into y'all's marriage. Y'all been married for eight years. Mm-hmm. Number of new beginnings. <laughs> uh, seventh year, y'all here in a uh, an amazing loss. Um, and is it is it okay to say loss? It's, um, I, I appreciate that question, right? Um, we've been, we've been naming it as a double transition. And I heard him say that earlier. Yeah, we've been naming it as a double transition. Um, she certainly doesn't feel loss from me. I think what happens is um, when we're trying to uh, communicate um, what we are experiencing, we might use words that we think that another person may understand. It's kind of an agreed vocabulary, if you will. But um, this year, this past year, has allowed me, Kariga as well, has made room um, for us to do our own naming. And um, Love it. We've been able to name this as a double transition. She transitioned in because she was here and she transitioned out. Um, and what we also understand is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and, and your spirit is eternal. Um, another thing we were able to name is, uh, we're infinitely her parents. Yes. That took, um, some time to understand Um, When experiencing a loss like this, you are trying to reframe your identity. I had this idea of who I was going to be. And um, I learned that, oh, I I am still the person who I was before, but I am her and more. And um, being okay with that, accepting that, um, walking into that, affirming that, um, this this identity as an, as an angel parent, being able to name that. And you have to excuse me as I'm still processing now um, and trying to define this further, but I recognize that I was Kamayu's parent before she got here. Yes. I'm her, I was her mother before she got here. I was her mother when she was here, and I'm still her mother now. Oh, I'm infinitely her mother. Infinite. She's never away from me she will always be present and you can always bring her up 
Because she's always here. She's always here. She's always with us. She's with me. The law. Sorry. No, no, please. Always with us. Always. The reason why I give permission for the loss, like she said, the agreed upon language. But what we were able to find out was that the loss is the moments you thought you had. So you lose those moments. And when you lose those moments, you can lose reference for a minute because you don't actually know what your fate, what your phase is now. Right. I went from practicing hooking up a car seat to having to pick out an urn. So if that, so whether you, whether it's a loss or whether you feel lost, you don't have reference for who you are in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I was supposed to be pushing my wife out or walking with her and the baby. I walked out with a box Mm. of my baby's belongings. Well, you said that, man. Um, um, uh. So, so this is loss, but what, who, what we did not lose was Kamayu. So I give room to talk about the loss yeah. because you lose moments. You lose the configuration of what you thought your identity yeah. would be. Yeah. You lose what you thought your plans would be. So then sometimes you can also lose hope because you don't see a way. But being Kamayu's parents infinitely means, oh, I will learn how to be her parent differently in month one than it is in month six. And it's very similar to what I've learned that parents experience when their children grow and they're yeah. here. Yeah. Every day is different. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Well, so too is the same for angel parents. When did y'all transition after uh, to get back into the music? You sent me some music wow. that was so fire. And wow. I was like, I had no idea. Wow. That y'all go hard like that. Mm. I said, listen, y'all the West Coast, Tobey, a week way. <laughs> And I just, yeah, I said, look at this. I said, y'all are so freaking dope. Like, when did y'all get back into the music? Uh, Wow. This is, this is, Mm. (sighs) wow. It started with Pastor McBride, Mike McBride, hit me. Yep, this is, like this is the same pastor that yep. came into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Same pastor that we traveled with to New York to MLK now. Same one that said, made room for therapy for us. This is somebody I stand with. Yeah. He hit me and was like, uh, you think you got anything for Resurrection Sunday? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you crazy. You You crazy. Man. You, you actually might be crazy. They said some things about you before, but now I'm, th- I'm starting to believe it now. Yeah, right? yeah. But um, his ask wasn't empty and it wasn't in vain, and it was the first invitation for me to approach the throne in writing. Oh, Jesus! This would become my first conversation to God about any of my experiences, and hmm. I remember writing my verse. And I pulled up on Lauren. Yep. Like, Lauren, listen to this verse. Do you still remember it? Very oh, much. Yeah. Spit it. I lost so much that resurrection is my only hope. I pray to God to come and breathe into these dry bones and help me with my unbelief when the burdens get heavy and give me wisdom when the enemy come and attempt me. I had some plans, but lately they seem to all fall apart. A Holy Spirit send a word into a broken heart because I can't last another hour out here on my own. 
These darker waters be the deepest and it's getting cold. And I don't want to carry burdens of a hardened heart. So be my salt and give me light to help me through the dark. I feel like David when he hid in the cave of Adullam. And hope to dance like David the day that God bring me through him. Right now my wife is hurting. I hope that you speak to her. You are my rock, my fortress, unfailing deliverer. What can you tell the mother grieving the loss of their children? You don't see nothing, brother. Shut up and just learn to listen. Mm. I pulled up on Lauren. I drove to her house to let her hear that verse, to what I wrote it to. You don't say nothing. Shut up and just learn to listen. Shut up and just learn to listen. Hmm. I wrote that verse. Lauren penned the most profound hook. God, right Lauren. 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 Listen. She said, let me sit with this rig. She went into the shower. She came out for rehearsal with the hook. We were waiting on her to start this rehearsal. And I couldn't believe that's what God moved through her. Although I could, this is who writes the song to bring Kamayu into the world. <laughs> and let me be very clear. Rehearsal, it was them too. <laughs> I was there because Kariga and I, we, until we found our own footing, we moved together. Yeah. I had no plans on participating. <laughs> Oh, she had none. And we knew, and I, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Boy, I didn't. Mm -mm. Had I was no sitting plans. in there like. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. Y'all go ahead. A whole member, a whole member at rehearsal. Y'all go ahead. On, on vocal rest. Imagine her not saying a word. Me and Lauren in there like, we just going to let the spirit Lauren, move. Lauren, she's singing, live hit me hard, live hit me hard. She's singing the background and everything. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can. You said she's singing the background and everything? I can do the back Literally, what you're doing. Lauren is, because you got to remember, Lauren's also a praise and worship leader. Yeah, so she's prepared so she, to sing every She's going to sing it by herself if she got to. She, she's going to give you the lead and the call and response. Uh-huh. But I, so that writing, oh God, was the beginning of this experience. Resurrection Sunday. Uh huh. That's what brought ah. all. Oh, that's so prophetic yeah. in itself. I'm and, trying not to run around lyrics. this dog. I'm trying not and, to run around this room. And her lyrics. Life, Life hit, me, hit hard. me hard. Still I try. You can bury me for three days, and but still, still I rise. Can't, Can't no darkness, darkness ever take my shine. Cause I'm alive. Cause I'm, I'm alive. alive. And she sings that through and through. And let me tell that you. That was that song you sent to me. When you, I heard that, I was just like, I was rocking that. That was so powerful. I could And not. you repeat the, the, the verse again. That's it. And That's it. That was, as a songwriter, that was the first time I knew that that is all that needs to be said. Visit it again. Right? It was a declarative moment for me. Because for so long, as an MC, you are conditioned to meet industry standards. Yes. People want another verse. They want to know what you can do. And I said, you don't get to rush this one. Mm -mm. Revisit. Mm. And let's go back into this. Mm -hmm. Because I went to some rooms to write that. You don't hear it the first time around. Man, listen, I am so full of just listening to y'all. I can just listen to y'all all day. And um, I don't know, like when people see y'all, they see, like I said, we always say hashtag relationship goes when you see people and, you know, they see this beautiful romance that y'all have or they liken it to romance. What is what is your take on that? What are we witnessing? What what are we seeing? What made me cry? What made me be so moved by watching y'all's interaction, watching her bury herself into you, watching her lay her chin on your shoulder, watching you grab her hand and hold her hand and rub her leg or even the most transformational moment that um, I watched. 
where Cody said, if y'all were to say y'all's vows now, what would those vows be? And y'all turned towards each other and gave the longest pregnant pause as y'all gazed <laughs> into the, each other's eyes. And y'all said, when the night has come, Man, I was gone. I didn't know. So that pause was because I wasn't prepared for that question. And I didn't know. I had to look at Kariga to know. Um, when I saw him and I saw where he was with me. That's that part. That part right there. I could see y'all see each other. I saw him. And y'all were communicating with each other in the spirit before we heard it verbally. And that's what messed me up. What are we seeing? Like even in the moment now of hearing her say when she sees me, it's so powerful to me the way that she makes room to see me. Um, and I know that on TV and according to how we've been trained to think about love, people might see something and uh, see the romance. Yes. Um, but I think that it's a healthy practice of love that makes room for romance. I think romance in and of itself as a value is a low-hanging fruit on the tree. Um, I think that because there's a whole hospitality industry around trying to create romance. Yes. You go somewhere with your partner, they're going to fold the towels, like two whatever, you need yeah. two doves, two elephants, right? Yeah. I, seen, I seen two paper cranes, right? I said, I, how do you do that? But I realized and you have Valentine's Day, you have all these things around the consumption of romance. So we might see romance and think that it is love. However, I believe that powerful love makes room for romance um, and healthy practices of love. So we choose to practice love. And when I say choose to practice, the first thing is we understand it's a practice. Yes. Yes. And when you understand it's a practice, you can choose to show up some days or miss some days. But what the benefits that I get from showing up to it regularly what do you come to teach me today? What lessons are here for me? How do I make peace with what the day has come to teach me? How do I make peace with um, a miscommunication? Mm -hmm. That does, how do I let go of, of my opinion? Mm. How do I make room to hear more deeply? Mm -hmm. Um, when I realized that being right in a relationship means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. It's more about how well can I make room for us to hear and see one another? How do I understand your perspective or your habit of thinking or even how you got to that decision? That's far more valuable to me than what you did and how I feel about it. Now, that's the, that's the, like the open part. The practice of love goes even deeper when you have to look at, like, realizing that difference doesn't mean deficit. Mm. Right? So important. Say that one more time for the people too. in the back of the room. They need to hear that one. Difference. It doesn't mean deficit. It doesn't mean deficit. In fact, difference is... Gosh, that's good. One when, of the strengths. Oof, that, it's so important, right? Because I think naturally what our brains do, we all have our own... Um, variables that inform our cognitive processing, that inform our choice behaviors and our decisions. 
They're all unique and specific to us. When it doesn't look like ours, we automatically make a judgment of it. It's different. It's not, it's not right. It's, it's a deficit. But it is, it is, it is, it is just, it's different. And we otherize it. And we do. As soon as we otherize it, we lose the ability to practice love. Mm. Because it becomes other people's kids, yep. other problems. Yep. And you have to understand the oneness that we all participate in this thing in. And that's what makes us practice love even deeper because I realize that it's my practice of love in my home that is going to help me show up in the world the way I want to. Mm. And the world may not always show up to, to me the way I desire it to. So how will I thereby create my response to when the world treats me unfavorably? How does my home become a shelter? How does she feel most safe and most loved inside this space? And that ultimately sometimes it starts to overspill into wherever we go. So we try to create this habit in our relationship of practicing love. And then it gets real good when, when we're on the same frequency and someone else may not be on that frequency. And how we have to catch ourselves to remember to practice and understand that you have to see with the lens of circumstance and not judgment. Yes. So this is, um, it's not even a romantic approach, but certainly practicing it can enhance the romance because what feels better than being connected and understood? There it is. And it's, it is, it, oh, so important. Nothing feels better. Terrence, it's so important. We have a hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Just as eating is important, we need to do that. We also need to feel like we belong. Yes. And we need to feel um, connected and, and related. Like it does so much for what we think we can do and the choices that we make. Like belongingness is so critical, so important, so foundational to our human needs. Belongingness. How did you know, uh, as uh, before we wrap up, how did you know that she was the one? This is your friend. This is your homie. Y'all, you know, you go all the way back to high school with. What made you want to transition her from a, from a homegirl to a girlfriend to a fiance to a wife? I remember. I want to give you that, but I also want to give you this. This is the first time I think we've ever, and you said we're about right before we wrap up too, so that's perfect. This is the first time I think we've ever talked about like romance, intimacy. We never, we, we never even get there in any conversations in eight years of marriage. We don't even talk. I, we don't have any public conversation yeah. with anybody about our practice. <laughs> but I can honestly say that, like, that is the thing for us. That connectedness, yeah. that feeling safe and seen, that's all the beginning of romance we need. There it is. Right? That, that creates the safety. But how did I know she was the one? Well, I need. Let me say that because... Uh, but how did I know she was the one? It happened around, so high school, we were cool. Um, I go away at college. And in my family, you're responsible for the younger sibling. And in my distance, away at Hampton, when she was still in Sacramento, she was doing for my younger siblings what I was doing. And I didn't like that at first. Okay? I said, oh, she, God trying to have me get married now? This is dumb. right?" I vividly remember like, oh, whoa, she is overperforming God, right? Like, um, she's trying to make her place in your life, huh? And That's I was, how you felt, yeah. And I was uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Um, but then there was a grace by which she did it. 
Then I graduate. Um, I graduate undergrad, and I go to D.C. to go teach. And our relationship still worked. It was enjoying and satisfying. It wasn't hard. And let's just also name at that time I'm 20-something in D.C. Um, let's name this also like, Obama's DC. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it just felt different mm -hmm. to be a black man. Yeah. <laughs> but at no point was the relationship hard. What happened was after grad school, after I finished my master's in special education, I was pursuing an ed leadership degree. And I thought I was interested in pursuing that ed leadership degree at Harvard. And I realized that our whole relationship has never been about blocking each other off. We've actually fanned each other's fire. Go get the opportunity you desire. Yeah. And she encouraged me to go get that opportunity. She said, because I know who you are and I know what you need to do. I don't know what it will mean for this union yeah. to have to do another round of distance. And I didn't choose her over the program. Right. Um, that year, I was not admitted to that program. I was admitted to another cohort. It wasn't the one for me, and it was very clear for me now that there's nowhere else I need to go develop myself. I can do this next round of development in this marriage because I was going to chase another career. I was going to chase another degree, which is another round of development. There has been no more profound development in my life. And in this marriage? Nothing. Nothing. How did you know that he was the one? At what point? I have to be honest and say when I first saw Kariga walk into the room at that winter concert in high school, when I saw him walk, I remember what he was wearing because it was like this suede, um, <laughs> what was it, babe? Like the little suede checker jump. <laughs> Everything is different now. And I had on that. And I he had, had on. on yeah, it was. He, he brother was smooth. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think about you know, yeah. with his Tim's. Yeah, yeah. I had my Tim's on. With his yeah. Tim's. That wasn't what made you know was an indicator for me. I do remember what he was wearing. I don't know why, but when I saw him walk down, this was kind of like a the theater slant. Yeah, I just felt like I would know him for a long time. I didn't really? know in what capacity. It wasn't um, in like a romantic sense either. It was just like, I just feel like I'm, I'm going to know you or I, I, like I know you. And um, that's always been something that's been in the back of my mind. And you were what, how old, 16? I was 16. I was 17. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that was like an indicator. Um, that's a huge indicator. Yeah, it was I always call that the the before place. It's like your spirit has already been out, and it comes back yeah. and just give you this little. It's not even a deja vu moment. I think it's a confirmation moment yeah. in your spirit. And you go, like, hmm, okay. And I, I wasn't looking for it. You know, it wasn't like I was looking for a husband at that time. Wow. Um, and as as time went on, and we, I, I learned now we're both going to Hampton. I, I said this to you, and I was like, oh, are we doing this? <laughs> Is this happening? Or like, are we having? Uh, is our relationship gonna continue? Like, because that wasn't the expectation. And yeah. same when we were transitioning into DC, he went first, right? And he had a placement, and um, it was in. Was it in New Orleans, or how did that work? Yeah, I was actually first supposed to be in New Orleans. 
Yeah. My first teaching assignment was in New Orleans. And I liked the idea of New Orleans, but I told, I actually told the teaching corps, this was Teach for America at the time, I said, what's also critically important to me is my identity as an artist. I write. Yeah. I need to be teaching in a city that values writers. Yeah. Yeah. So was there any pressure at any point? Like, listen, we've been we've been dating each other no. for eight years. You need to marry me. No. Girl, y'all been together too long. When are you going to ask you to marry you? No. No. Because, no. see, our relationship was, it was just always that cool, right? It was actually, a, it was cool. Um, it was fun to be around. It was fun to be in. But we also did a good job at making room for our collective friends. Yeah. So when you're from Cali and you're on the East Coast, because we grew up in the same city and yeah. grew up together so we knew how to make space for others right yeah so we had mutual friends um and there was no rush and there was no clock i did know what happened for me as a man though i started to watch the behavior of other men who were um addicted to the status that their career brings in a, especially in a place as status driven a status noted as dc and I saw brothers like start to convince themselves that they can do what they wanted to do, right? And they can have who they wanted to have. And I actually knew that this wasn't my philosophy. I was concerned what would happen if I get more leadership as a man. How was that going to impact my decision-making if I wasn't close to the woman I loved? I knew who I loved, but I wasn't sure how power would yeah. influence that. And I remember the thing that made it like most clear for us because we from South Sac, because she knows what I went through to get to Hampton, yeah. because she knows the hope, the wish, and the prayer, <laughs> and the financial aid line that I finessed, <laughs> right? Because she knows all these things about yeah. me. Um, we always knew that any resource we'd ever gotten, any opportunity we ever got, like, Black unions that are privileged in the ways that ours are and all black unions that are practicing love, it's liberation time. Yeah. All we really believe is that the, the, the family and, and the marriage should be a tool to further black liberation in some way. And liberation isn't just this economic construct. Liberation from the things that Limit us. Liberation from the habits of mind that don't serve us. Liberation from the wounds. Liberation from the, the way we are perceived, right? So we just use a marriage as a vehicle to do greater work in our community. I took a course in undergraduate about really? black marriage. Yeah, they have a research group there that focuses on African-American families and marriages. And I took a class in undergrad. And this was giving me major game and shaping my values. It sure was. And I also learned that married people have a tendency to have longer life expectancies yeah. because of the ability to take care of one another, right? Yeah. And of, of course, the data shows other things. But, like, earning, you can also earn more when you're married. I'm thinking to myself, like, well, then what are they talking about? <laughs> Why are all this music lying? Why are all these brothers in D.C. fronting? This is not what I know to be true. That shaped so early for me the idea that marriage wasn't settling down mm. for me very early. Yeah. And I'm at Hampton University, and I know that marriage isn't settling down. 
I said it was setting up to build up. Yeah. And I made that decision. Marriage isn't settling down, it's setting up to build up. Yeah. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> when I say that right there is amazing, that marriage isn't settling down. We always talk about, oh, it's time to just go ahead and settle down. No. Settle down from what? Man, language is and a that thing. that doesn't sound and, and fun. Don't sound fun at all. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Where we going, dog? You know right, what I'm saying? You mean to tell me I'm finna just sit here? That's Settle what it down. Sound like. Get somewhere. Sit down somewhere. Yep. Sit down somewhere. You tired? Somewhere. You need to rest. <laughs> you need to rest. Nah, man. <laughs> Miss me with it. <laughs> we know how you feel about that one. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> sit down. You tired? You can't go out with Kariga this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Oh, man. You can't go out. You, you saw him last week. Yeah. What'd you say? That was seven days ago. Seven whole days. <laughs> seven whole days. <laughs> that's hard, man. That's oh, good. Man. That's good. Yeah. So you knew that she was the one. You knew that you had to. Um, you had to push play. You had to say, "Hey, listen, I want her for a lifetime." Thank y'all for coming to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Y'all give it up for my new family members. At first, they started out as friends. Now, they just they just family members. <laughs> give it up for them again. Felicia and Kariga Bailey, y'all. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you. God, dog. That's, that was... Man, let me tell you, it was such an honor to have Felicia and Kariga on the podcast today. I hope you guys took a lot away from their discussion. Um, But there's something that resonates with me more than anything. And uh, I'll share that in this letter as I manifest my future wifey. Dear future wifey, close your eyes. I'm going to say a word. And without you contemplating a response, I want to know the first emotion that comes to your mind. The word is security. Let that word marinate in your mind for a few seconds. How did it make you feel? Did you let off a slow sigh of relief and did a subtle smile wash your face? Or did you tense up in defense and bad memories in which you felt insecure flood your conscience? Security. Baby, you don't simply want it. It's a requirement. You need it. Like the air in your lungs, it's a necessity. Too many times, a lack of security has been a violation of your heart. You almost coded, but I will resuscitate you. You question the possibility of having security in a man, a resting place. Now close your eyes again. We're married. Exhale and embrace the security I bring to you. Bury yourself in me. Losses are evident. Unfortunately, we will experience the loss of loved ones. Disappointments will arise. Now open your eyes. I'm still here. And I'll always be still here. You won't lose me. Your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit. Live intentionally and transparently and don't stop loving make sure to subscribe to our dear future wifey youtube channel we're available on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and stitcher we welcome your support simply share our podcast with your friends and family 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.